And we're in this uh, series called the Gospel of John. John is, a, is, a, is an amazing book, and I hope you've been reading this week. I hope that you went home last re- week and spent the first three days reading John chapter 1 and understanding what's in there, seeing what's in there. And then on Wednesday or thir- Thursday, you began to read John chapter 2 in preparation for this morning. And this morning, we're going to talk about uh, Jesus going to a wedding in Cana. It's John's first um, miracle that, that, that he reports is found here in John chapter 2. It says on the third day, actually, go with me to, to John chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, we have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus said, my time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone jars, stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to his servants, fill the water, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim, and he said to them, Now draw some out, take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside, and he said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. It says this is the first miraculous sign, first of his miraculous signs that Jesus performed in Cana in Galilee and thus revealed his glory and his disciples had faith. Or your translation say may believed in him. I'm always intrigued by this story the story often gets misused to try to make a case for or against alcoholic drink or drinking of wine when that has nothing to do with, with why John reported this. Remember, John reports everything this so that what? So that we may believe. And so he reports this, this sign that Jesus performed so that we may believe. And this was the seventh day. This was the last day of, of a week that was filled with lots of exciting things of Jesus um, of Jesus' first week in ministry. If you remember, if you go back, um, when it says third day, it means the third day after Jesus had um, talked to Nathaniel. But this was a busy seven days, and, and in this seven days, remember, John identifies Jesus as the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world, and, and he, he um, calls Andrew and an unnamed disciple, which many people believe maybe was John himself, um, Andrew calls his brother Simon, who comes to Jesus, and, and Jesus, in verse 41 of chapter 1, says, you are Simon, the son of John. Then he says, you shall be called Cephas, and we're introduced for the first time to a man named Peter, who we will read a lot about in the Gospels. And then we see how Philip found Nathanael and, and brought Nathanael to, to Jesus, and when, when Philip 
talked to Nathaniel about this, this man from Nazareth. He asked, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, come and see. And after Jesus has interaction with Nathaniel, he says something very interesting. He says, you believe because I told you I saw you under the tree but you shall see greater things than that. And, and from that point on, we see Jesus begin to do great things. And so then Jesus travels to this wedding in Cana, and this is where chapter 2 begins. So the occasion was a wedding in Cana, an eastern wedding. And eastern weddings look very different than western weddings do. You see, Jewish, Jewish culture and, and, and the whole marriage process looks much different. So this wedding, so um, the first thing you do is you have a betrothal or an engagement. And, and so the guy goes and, and he, he, he gives, a, 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 gives money to the father of the bride and he goes home. So he gives something up, he sacrifices something, and then he goes home and spends a year at home. And after one year, the, and the, the groom went home, and, and he's preparing a place for his bride. And so once he's got his place prepared for this beautiful bride, he goes back to get her. Now, the bride doesn't know, how many of you brides, how many of you people that would love, doesn't know when the groom is coming back. She has no clue when he's coming back, and he just all of a sudden one day shows up to take his bride back home with him. Now, in weddings today, it's always the bride. We're not sure when she's going to show up because she's getting ready and all dolled up and all of that. In, in, in Eastern weddings, the groom just one day shows up at the bride's home, then he takes her back to his home with him. And it is there that then that the marriage is consummated and then the wedding feast begins. So all of this has happened and now a wedding feast is beginning. And, and it's not just like a two-hour wedding feast or celebration, but this thing lasts for seven days. So for seven days, there is all kinds of eating and partying and celebration going on of which the groom has gotten everything ready. He's the guy that's in charge of doing everything. He's the guy that's in charge of paying for everything. How many of you, father of brides, would love if we would make that the rule of the day again? For seven days they did this. And, and so, but, but what happens is a couple days into this wedding, and you have to remember that, that, that it says that Mary was there, and Jesus and his disciples had been invited, so, so there's a good chance that this was a relative of Jesus. And, and for some reason, Mary is involved in this because she's concerned about there, there being no more wine. So, so everybody is here. Everybody is celebrating. And all of a sudden, there's this complication of no wine. And this is a huge deal because, remember, the groom, he is in charge of this. And so it reflects very poorly on him if he didn't figure enough wine for all of his guests. And the fact that they ran out of wine really troubles Mary. And so she comes to Jesus and she says, we don't have any more wine. And she knows this isn't a good thing. 
And this interaction between Mary and Jesus always really intrigues me. She comes to Jesus, and and I believe Mary comes to Jesus expecting something to happen. He's he's her oldest son. He's he's cared for her for for these 30 years. Um, She's watched him grow up. Uh, She remembers what what the angels had told her about him. And, And so... And, and, and now, for the last seven days, she's seen him begin to take this whole Messiah thing that she was told about 30 years earlier, because I'm sure she's got report that, that John said that, behold, the Lamb of God... She, she, she remembers it. she had seen him be baptized or heard of his baptism and how, how the Holy Spirit came down on him. So I don't know, maybe Mary is expecting something to happen, but, but she comes to Jesus and says, we don't have any more wine. And Jesus says, woman, why, why do you bother? Why do you trouble me with this? Now, the fact that he said woman isn't, isn't a derogatory thing. It's like saying, ma'am, Why do you trouble me with this? My time has not yet come, he tells her. And he knew that his time was was three years down the road from from, from here. But my time has not yet come. And then then Mary does something really interesting. Looks at the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. So obviously Mary was expecting something to happen. Now, was she expecting him to do something supernatural? I don't know. Possibly. But she expected him to act. Now, along with the rest of the Jewish people, Mary was expecting the Messiah to someday come. She was expecting the Messiah to drive the Romans out and for for him to to regain and to control and to free them from their bondage. And remember, Mary, Mary had been told by the angel that she was giving birth to this Messiah. Mary had seen her call disciples and bring disciples, and it was a big deal for a person to have their own disciples. And, and so I think Mary was expecting something pretty great to happen. But Jesus just says, a time hasn't come yet. And I think this, this passage, when Jesus says, woman, my time is not yet come. There's a distinctive change in, in, in Jesus and Mary's relationship at this point. Jesus has been her son for 30 years. He's lived with her. He's, he's cared for her. He's, he's run the family business and has probably been a very faithful, obedient son. But in this moment in time when he says, woman, why do you involve me? The relationship changes because he's, you know, he spent 30 years in, in sort of in, in a private life, um, um, not, not being in a very public light. And, and all of a sudden, this day, he would be brought into the public spotlight. His public ministry would begin. So there's a, there's a huge shift in Jesus' relationship 
with his mother at this point where he now, he will come, become the son of God, the Messiah. He will no longer answer to her, but, but she will be, he will really um, call the shots from here on out. And so it's just, it's just a very interesting um, li- a series of events that happen here. So she told the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. And then Jesus says, go get me these, um, these big jars, fill them up. Now, these six, Jew- these six jars that were standing there, they were, they were, they were used for Jewish rituals of, of purification. They held about 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said, fill these jars. Fill them to the rim. And then he simply says, you know, and he doesn't go over to the jars and he doesn't pray over them or he doesn't yell at them. He doesn't stick his hand in them. He just fill these jars up. He says, now, now draw some out and take them to uh, the master of ceremonies. Draw out the water and take it to the steward of the banquet in verse 8. Very simply, very quietly, with much dignity, he just says, take some over to the master ceremonies. The water simply became wine. And in verse 11, John says this of this story. He says, this is the first, miracle of the first of his miraculous signs. Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples believed. There's that word again. His disciples believed. He revealed his glory at this wedding in Canaan. Now, he only revealed it to close family and friends. This was a very quiet kind of a miracle that he performed. But John says this is the first of his miraculous signs. And and this portion of Scripture from chapter 2 to chapter 11 is is, is simply called the, the Jesus' sign. These, these are, this is where he performs signs. And, and signs are, what signs are is, is that they're not merely just miracles, but they are miracles that have meaning. They have purpose. They were intended to convey a truth about Jesus as he performs it. They manifest the significance that may have otherwise been hidden. Now, and pay careful attention because every time Jesus does a miracle in the book of John, he follows it up with an explanation of himself. When he, when, um, when he feeds the 5,000 people, he talks about him being the bread of life. And so pay close attention as you're reading through uh, through the book of John, that every time Jesus performs a miracle or it's a sign, it's revealing a truth about himself that we wouldn't have otherwise known. And so pay attention to these signs, to, to, to Jesus' miracles. Pay attention that every time that he performs one of these signs that, that lives are changed, people are impacted. Every time he touches them, they were changed. They became 
people become more beautiful, more enjoyable, more delightful. Because when Jesus touches us, we are changed just like that water was changed into wine. And that wine that those people drank was probably, it was the best wine that, that ever, ever went over their palate. They never, ever, in the rest of their lives, I don't believe they tasted any wine that was better because Jesus has touched it and changed it. And when Jesus touches us and changes us, we should become just like that wine. Taste. Beautiful. More loving than anything that anybody ever... We should, we should be more loving, more enjoyable, more delightful, more generous as followers of Christ who have been touched by him than anybody in the world, just like this wine And in verse 11, it says that he manifests his glory. He showed a truth about himself that he was the Lord of nature, that he was the king of nature, that, that everything came under his authority. He took this water and quietly and digni in a dignified way turned it into wine because he is in control of nature. He can do that. And in the process, it says that he manifests his glory. And it says that, and they believed. They believed that he was the Son of Man. So these men that had just been called, these men that, that, had, that were intrigued by Jesus and, and, and he had asked to follow him, who had begun to follow him, saw this. And I believe it was only, G, it was only the disciples and the servants that saw this, that, that understood that Jesus had performed his first miracle. And because of that, it says his disciples believed believed. And remember, remember what the purpose is of the gospel of John? These things are written that you may believe. And so John wrote this account in John chapter 2, not just so the disciples would believe, but so that we who read it thousands of years later might believe, might believe that he is the son of God and in believing that we will have eternal life. That's the purpose, remember? And John wrote in, in, in chapter 14 and verse 1, We have beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So they believed because he showed his glory. Now, there are, there are three groups of people that I want to address this morning that I see from, from this. There were those who believed. That was his disciples. 
Uh, go with me to John chapter 12, verse 37. Because it's very clear that his disciples believed because they saw what he had done. But then the Bible says that there are a whole group of other people who, even though they, they saw Jesus perform miracles, they didn't believe. In, in verse uh, John 12, 37, even after Jesus had done all of these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. So there were the people that believed, and this morning um, in this audience, there are those of you who believe. You believe because of what you've read. You believe because John has showed us or because Scripture has showed us that he is the Son of God and, and you have trusted in Christ as your Savior. Some of you, most of you believe. There are those of you that although you have read, although you have understood the miraculous things that Jesus did, you still don't believe. You've chosen not believe, to not, to not believe. And therefore, you have no relationship with Christ. And, and as a result of not having a relationship with Christ, anyone, the Bible says, who doesn't know him will spend eternity separated from God in hell. So those who believe, there are those who don't believe. Then there's a third group of people, I believe, that, that, that although they believe, they were afraid. In John chapter 12, verse 42, nevertheless, uh, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. Now, you'll be introduced to a guy named Nicodemus next week in John chapter 3. Nicodemus was a guy that was, he was, in the, he was um, one of, a man in authority. And although he believed, he was afraid. He was afraid to come out. But we'll see Nicodemus throughout the book of John in John chapter 7, then again later, ultimately Nicodemus not just believes, but he has the courage to stand up and express his faith. But here's what it says. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. In other words, they didn't want to pay the social price that comes with believing. They love the approval of man more than the approval of God. And this morning there are those among us who, although you believe, You're not willing to pay the price to come to Christ. You see, you love the approval of man more than you love Jesus. Therefore, you will sacrifice your eternal home for the glory of man. I just want to ask you this morning, as, as, as you read through this book of John, as you hear John speaking through his word, 
about these miraculous signs, these, these things that have been put there to help us understand him better. As you read those and you believe, how, how are you living that out in your life? And for those of you that don't believe, my question is, why don't you believe? And today you can believe on Jesus as the Messiah. And those of you that that believe, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but like Nicodemus that you will be introduced to next week, you're afraid to say yes because you're afraid of what people will think. Because you enjoy, you, you long for the approval of man much more than you desire to have relationship with God. And my prayer for you this morning is that, that you would have the courage to believe and stand up and tell people that you are a child of God. That you would become like that water in the big containers. That you would become, as you're touched by Jesus, you would become something very beautiful. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for... John's words that he penned through your spirit as he reports on Jesus' first miracle here in um, this passage. I pray that this passage this morning that through your spirit would, would just again, remind us of why we believe. Or this morning would would cause some to believe. Would cause some to have the courage to stand up and say, yes, I believe. Father, as we study your word, as we understand it better, Lord, may we, um, as we experience your glory, um, may our faith be strengthened, um, and may you be honored and glorified through it. It's in Christ's name that we pray, amen. 